Glory to God. How's everybody doing today? Yes, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Guys, welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited to be finishing up the forgiveness series today. Actually, I mean, I'm, I don't know how excited I am to be finishing it up. Forgiveness is something that we could really talk about for a while yet. Um, but it is a big deal, and we want to just really focus on this today. I want to really focus on forgiveness today. We've, t- we've covered so much. Uh, like Elizabeth said, over the past few weeks, we've covered so much material on forgiveness, and there's, it's a big deal to the Lord. It's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. It's not small at all. So if you, if you have trouble moving in forgiveness, even after the encouragement of this sermon series, even after all of the things that we've shared today, if you have trouble moving in forgiveness, I want to recommend uh, just a few uh, resources for you. Number one, this is a book entitled Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall. Fantastic book. Um, really, really good stuff. Good stuff in there. Um, listen, if you have trouble, if, if what I've taught over the past four weeks isn't enough, grab this book, pick it up, um, read through it. You know, there are so many things in here. I didn't even, I read this book. I didn't touch on most of what's in this book. I, I do want to read an excerpt from it today. Another fantastic book, and I don't have a photograph of it, is a book entitled, When a, Cho- when a Woman Chooses to Forgive. And so women, especially, if you have a hard time forgiving or if you find that there's somebody in your life when that name gets brought up and you just, you, you have trouble forgiving that person, write this book down, When a Woman Chooses to Forgive by Cheryl Broderson, B-R-O-D-E-R-S-O-N. Uh, several women that I know have read this book, fantastic book. Again, I've shared some ideas that have come out of that book. If you have trouble forgiving, Pick these books up. Read through them. You know, sometimes we need something more than just the Word to guide us and to open up the Word and to show us what it means and to encourage us in these things. And so these books are great resources. Amen? Amen. When a woman chooses to forgive, just think about that title for a second, guys. (laughs) Yeah, guys. Yeah. Women. Church. Church. When a woman chooses to forgive, let's just, when someone chooses to forgive, forgiveness is a choice. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know what that means? It means unforgiveness is a choice. Uh Uh-oh. Forgiveness is a choice. Unforgiveness is a choice. We choose. It's, It's up to us. It doesn't matter that the person hurt us. It doesn't matter whether the person that hurt us is remorseful, repentant, or not. That doesn't matter. That has no, that has no element in the equation. No one has to say they're sorry for you to forgive. No one has to say they're sorry for you to forgive them. That's not part of the deal. That's not what Jesus said. We're going to see this. Oh, my goodness. Wow. All right. Hey, before I get into my message. (laughs) Hey, America is awesome, isn't it? We're here to celebrate today. Uh, We handed out these little flags. Fourth of July. Yeah. Yay. God is... uh, God is no respecter of persons. God is no respecter of nations. Does God love America? God has blessed America. God has blessed America because uh, we've, as a people for generations, have lived 
uh, very moral life as God would have us to live, and that has in turn bestowed a blessing upon us. We stand at a point in time where I don't know what the future holds. Will God remove his hand of blessing from the nation? It's been my prayer for over 20 years that God would turn America back to God, that America would turn back to God. This has been my prayer for 20 years. I believe that it will happen. I believe that we will see a moral revolution. I do believe... I do believe that we will see a moral revolution. Do you know that we sit, we sit today approximately 30 miles from the turning point of the Revolutionary War? 30 miles from here was a decisive battle which changed the course of the war that formed America into who it was. Could it be that God has reserved this area? Could it be that God has reserved this area for a moral revolution in a nation? Come on, I'm on board. I'm all in. It's time we have a, it's time we have a, a, a call to revolution right here in upstate, right here in the capital region, and as close as we can get, as close as we can get to the Saratoga battlefields, maybe right on the battlefields. Glory to God. <laughs> pilgrims understood something. The pilgrims understood that freedom is only possible. Watch this, guys. We talk about America. What makes America so great? What makes America so great? The idea of freedom and liberty. The pilgrims understood that freedom and liberty was only possible within a people that are morally upright. Why? Because you can't legislate morality. You can't pass enough laws to tell people to do what they need to do. It's the absolute God-honest truth. It's it's as true as the Bible. You cannot legislate morality. You cannot pass enough of laws. Patriotism is great. We love the nation. But do people know more about your love for the nation, or do they, they know more about your love for God? All right, let's go into our message today. Uh, I want to make one mention from this book, Total Forgiveness. I want to make one mention from the book. Uh, he, he talks about this right here, and he talks about forgiveness in three different uh, levels. The first level is detached forgiveness, where you forgive somebody, but then you have no relationship with that person. You cut them off. You are detached from them. The second level of forgiveness is limited forgiveness. You have forgiveness towards the person, and there is a limited restoration of the relationship that you had before the offense occurred. And then there is full forgiveness, what he goes on to call total forgiveness, where you forgive the person, and then you move on, and there is total restoration of the relationship. And so it's always our encouragement for all of us to come to the point of total forgiveness, full forgiveness, that there is a full restoration of the, right, of the relationship between the offender and the offended. God came and he didn't just forgive you in a limited fashion. He didn't just forgive you in a, a detached fashion. He came and he forgave you in a full fashion, in a total fashion. God totally forgave you that the relationship between him and you would be restored perfectly, and it is, as long as we're ready to enter into it. Amen. Wow. Guys, this is getting good. Today I want to ask a question. 
And this is going to lead us into the message. Here we go. Today, I want to ask a question. Is it possible to get to, for us to get to a point where we no longer need to forgive people? Is it possible? Can we do it? Can we get to a point where we no longer need to forgive? Forgiveness is something that we need to do. We already talked about the fact that forgiveness is something that we need to do daily. Can we get to a point where we just don't need to do it anymore? I believe that we can. Today's title, Unoffendable. <laughs> Are you unoffendable? Are you unoffendable? Are you unable to be offended? This, this word's not even in Webster's Dictionary. My computer underlines it in red every time I type it. <laughs> Does that mean that it's not a word? It's in the Urban Dictionary. What is that? <laughs> are, are we... How, I'm just going to let you chew on that word for a minute. It comes back to choice. Do we choose to pick up the offense? It comes back to choosing. Do we choose that we're offended? All right, let's go. Let's jump into some scripture here. I'm, I'm, I'm rambling. Luke 17, verses 1 and 2. Jesus came, to his, came and said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It's impossible. Matthew's translation, Matthew's gospel says, offenses are sure to come. Offenses, and, actually, and then another translation actually says, offenses must come. They have to come. You have, to, you have to endure offense. Offense is part of the program. Offense is part of living. If you're breathing, you have the chance somebody is going to offend you. If you're breathing, you're going to offend, somebody's going to offend you. But you have a choice. And here's the beautiful thing, guys, is we have a choice as to whether or not to be offended. Somebody does something offended, offensive doesn't mean I have to be offended. Somebody sits in my seat on Sunday. <laughs> and I'm offended. I'm not preaching today. Let them preach. Or I could just not pick up that offense. I'll go sit in the back. It's fine. Offenses are sure to come. They're guaranteed to come. Guys, I'm not, I'm not going to get done preaching this message and somebody's going to offend you. Maybe it's me. Somebody's going to offend you today. There's going to be an offense today. Will you pick it up and hold on to it or are you going to let it go? But woe to him through whom the offenses come. Offenses are sure to come, but woe to him through whom they come. Guys, this is not a small thing. When you see the word woe, right, that's a little word. It's a little three-letter word, and we're like, do, nobody even uses that word. What, what, are we, what are we saying here? Jesus said, Jesus said this. Jesus said, woe to you, Chorazan. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that had been done in your city had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented long ago. It will be better for them on the day of judgment than it will be for you. Jesus says, woe to these cities. And then he casts out this crazy 
upcoming punishment for them. And so the same time when we read woe someplace else, it's, it's like, baby, there better be some caution flashing lights, like, you know, warning signs. You know, I don't know, you're playing your computer game and the whole screen flashes red. Yeah, watch out, watch out, guys, don't bring an offense, don't offend anybody. People walk around, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm offensive, so what? So what, what? Maybe you, maybe you better go back and read this one. Whoa. I don't ever want to offend. If I preach the gospel and the gospel's offensive, and I will preach the gospel because we're commanded to do it, and it is, the gospel is offensive. But watch, when I preach the gospel, the gospel's offensive. It's on Jesus. That's not on me. Woe to Jesus. I want to be sure that when I bring the gospel that I'm not saying something, I'm not being offensive in who I am, that I'm not in the way. I want to live my life to minimize offense. I don't want to offend anybody. It, it can't happen. Where words are many, sin is not lacking. Proverbs. Verse 2. It would be better for him if... <laughs> it would be better... <laughs> It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into sea that he should offend one of these little ones. Offense is serious. Guys, we have to do our best to not offend one another. Whatever that means, in every aspect of what that means. There's certain things that I know that my wife doesn't like. And so I try not to do those things. I'm not perfect at it. I still do some of those things sometimes. And there's an offense there. Verse 3 and 4, Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he forgives against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, I'm sorry, you shall forgive him. We did the math before, right? Seven times yeah. 70, right? Seven times, uh, what was it? How often should I forgive my brother? Seven times, no, not seven, but seven times 70, 490 times. We talked about calculating that and counting it out so that if somebody were to send it, let's count this one for a second, right? All right, so seven times in a day, 365 days a year, that's 2,555 times a year that you have to forgive. One brother, just, right? So I use myself as an example. Uh, my wife, I live with her. I see her every single day. She's actually on vacation. Uh, she's actually uh, visiting some friends in Indiana. She's watching online. Hi, honey. And uh, I live with her. I'm with her seven days a week. I'm with her virtually 365 days a year. And I'm with her nearly 24 hours a day. I mean, we're together all the time. We work together. We are home together. I, there, there's times when we're not together, but more often than not, we're, we're next to one another. We're near one another. We're in the same room. We're in the same building. And so we're just always around one another. And so I see her every single day, seven days a week. That's 2,555 times in a year that I'm going to have to forgive. That she's going to have to forgive me, I mean. <laughs> yeah. 
I met my wife when I was 18 years old. If I live just to the average life expectancy of 78 years old, and I know that I'll live longer because the word says that God will satisfy you with long life, amen? So, but it, let's just go with the average, national average, you know, 78 years old. If I live to be just 78 years old, that's 60 years. That means my wife's going to have to forgive me 153,000 times. <laughs> 153,000. One, two, three. Oh, and then, you know, I got my son over here. I work with him. And then, you know, Fred. We'll make a column for Fred. Just forgive. Just forgive. Just forgive. Just, and you know what? Better than forgiving, let's go to the point where we don't pick up an offense. Let's go to the point where we become unoffendable. Is this, is this possible? Is this even possible? Is this something that we see exemplified in the Word? Do we see this walked out in the Word? Yes, we do. Jesus showed us how to be un unoffended. Jesus showed us how to be unoffendable. And so we, we should follow his model. Jesus showed us how to do this when he went to the cross. He was betrayed by those who were closest to him. He was forsaken by all of his disciples. He was falsely accused by the powers that be. He was turned over to the Romans because of envy. He was whipped. He was beaten. He was tortured. He endured excruciating suffering that we can't begin to grasp. He endured the humiliation of the cross, constant jeering. They hung him on the cross between two criminals, one on either side. They told him, you've saved others, save yourselves. Let's see if you can get down off that cross. Constant jeering. And what did Jesus have to say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus lived unoffendable. He lived unoffendable. And we need to do the same. We need to come to a place where we just refuse to pick up offense. Because offenses are sure to come. You're going to have an opportunity to be offended. The choice is with you as to whether or not you will be. How do we do this? How do we live unoffendable? Number one, we have to, we have to, we have to understand the triggers in our life. Some of us have certain triggers, and some of us have certain others, and some of us are offended at certain things, and some of us are offended at certain other things. And it doesn't ma really matter what you're offended at, but identifying the trigger will help to get you ready that you know that when you're dealing with, let's say, cooking dinner, that you might be offended that somebody not like what you cooked, and so you can prepare your heart ahead of time for the offense that's going to come so that when somebody says they didn't like what you've cooked, you cannot be offended. I say this because I cooked last night. <laughs> uh, no, nobody was offended. Nobody said they didn't like my food, using it as an example. Identify what it is 
that offends you. Traffic offends me. The way people drive offends me. That's huge. People all over. It's all I hear. I hear people talk about this all the time. You know, people don't know how to drive. Yeah, I know. I agree with you, but I'm not offended by it. I refuse to be offended. I'm not going to drive like a maniac to prove to them how poor they are at driving. That makes no sense. That actually makes opposite of sense. <laughs> Jesus said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. You know, I, when I was in Israel, I ran into a man on the street and he said to me, this was back in 2012, he said to me, he said, you know, this was a Jewish man, he said, you know, Jerusalem was destroyed and our people were cast across the earth and the Holocaust happened in 1945 and he went on to list several more things about how bad life had been for the Jewish people throughout history. And he said, do you know why? He said to me, he said, do you know why I think that we receive so much punishment all the time because we killed Jesus. <laughs> you are not far from the kingdom of God. But Jesus forgives. All we have to do is accept forgiveness because he's ready and willing and able to forgive. Make your declaration in him. If he were to make that declaration publicly, things would change for him. Maybe he'd no longer be called a Jewish man. Maybe he'd be called a Christian man. And that's not the point, but the point is forgiveness. We need to come to a place of forgiveness. This man that I met on the street, on Ben Yehuda Street in Jerusalem, needs to come to the point of understanding that he is forgiven by Jesus. He couldn't forgive himself. He didn't, couldn't forgive his own people for what they did to Jesus. Jesus was perfect. Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus is exactly the way that we should walk but Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus had this divinity behind him. Is this possible for a man? Is it possible for a man to come to this place? Someone other than just Jesus? Yes. Acts 7, it's the story of Stephen. Stephen is one of those who's chosen to serve. He's arrested. He goes in before the council and he starts to declare to them from the beginning all of the law and how it stands and how Jesus is in support of it. And he accuses them. He lets them know that they're the ones who killed Jesus, but that it's still available to them. The forgiveness is still available to them. And it says, when they had heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed their teeth at Stephen, at him. But he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see this, the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and they stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord and they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Jesus, receive my spirit. And the, here it is, his last words. It says, then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. 
And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Here's Stephen. They're killing him, literally. Literally. They, they don't pick up stones and throw them at you as punishment. It's, it's to kill you. It's because you're going to die at that moment. And so they, they're killing him, literally. And what does he say? He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. God, I want them, these people who are killing me, to be blessed. It's a high mark. Unoffendable is a high mark. I want to read this, I want to read this um, excerpt from this book, Total Forgiveness. R.T. Kendall writes this book. He doesn't get into exactly what happened, but something happened where someone hurt one of his loved ones. And so we've talked about Jesus. We've talked about Stephen forgiving those who hurt themselves. R.T. Kendall uh, writes this book from the, the vantage point of someone that he loved was hurt by someone and he needed to forgive that person. And so he says this, he says, it is not unlike Corey Ten Boom's having to forgive. Do you guys know who Corey Ten Boom is? Corey Ten Boom was uh, someone who tried to help the Jewish people escape the concentration camps and was caught during World War II. It says, it is not unlike Corey Ten Boom's having to forgive the prison guard who was so cruel to her sister, Betsy. Corey saw this man viciously abuse her sister who died shortly afterwards. When both of them were in prison for protecting the Jews in Holland during World War II. Years later, Corey was seated on the platform of a church preparing to speak in a service when she spotted this very man in the audience. She struggled in her heart. She prayed in desperation for God to fill her with the love of Jesus. He did. But forgiveness became even more of a challenge when, after the service, the guard rather glibly said, in so many words, how good God is to forgive all of us. She wondered, how sorry was he? I pray that none of us will ever have to walk through some kind of a forgiveness like that. I don't know. I don't even know if I could do it. I'm working on being unoffendable. There's periods of time where someone will do something that's offensive, and I refuse to pick it up. And there's times where I, I, I do really well with this, and then there's times where I don't do so well. And during one of those periods of time where I was doing really well with not picking up the offense, something happened, and it occurred to me that I didn't even give the offense time of day. Like, I didn't even stop to acknowledge it. It was just floating on by. And the Lord kind of pointed out and said, like, hey, you should have been offended at that. Or maybe it was the enemy. A voice inside my head. The internal, you know, conversation said, hey, you should have been offended at that. And so I was like, and so I took note of it. Watch, guys. I took note of it. There's sometimes where, where things are said or things are done, and they're offensive. The challenge is to not be offended, but to not allow the behavior to continue. Because I stand in a place of, you know, honor, pastor, there's certain um, 
there's certain reactions that aren't, aren't allowed. You know, you just can't do certain things. You know, you just don't treat uh, the pastor a certain way. And so this person was doing something, and it was just not okay. And so I was not offended at it at all, and I almost let it just slip right by. But I had to call the person on it because it wasn't okay. Uh, it, we, really, we really begin to walk out, remove the plank from your own eye first before you begin to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We really begin to walk that out in a hard way when we come to the point of being unoffended. When we come to the point of being unoffendable, we can really walk that out good, guys. Because there's no offense in me. I didn't take any offense. I have nothing to forgive you of, but that's not okay. The church is going to be hurt if you continue to behave towards me that way. I don't say this because of myself. I say this because of the position that I stand in and the way that you should treat the position. And we all have that in our lives to some extent. We should all honor one another. There is no one in this room that is not deserving of honor. We all honor one another. We all respect one another. We all serve one another. Who wants to be first? Become the biggest servant. Become the slave of everybody else. Serve. When those offenses come, we need to choose to not be offended. We need to come to this place where we're not offended. When we get to this place, life becomes great. Life becomes full of joy because no one can steal your joy if you're just not offended. People will try to offend you. The enemy will put people in your path just to offend you. You know, how do you get to a place of being unoffendable? Put yourself in a position where you are offended repeatedly. How do you learn how to swim? Come here, watch. I'll show you. This is how you swim. You go like this, and you go like this, and you go like this. And just, so just stand up and do that. Yeah, okay, you're kind of doing it. No. You get in the water. And when you start to sink, <laughs> hopefully there's somebody there to help you. How do you become unoffendable? You just get yourself into a place where you're going to be continually offended. It's not hard. Go to Walmart. Nothing wrong with Walmart. You can go to Target. You can go to Price Chopper. You can pick a store. Just go be where there's people. You can go to a rock concert. You can go to church. <gasps> Anywhere where there's another person in the room, you're guaranteed to be offended. The more people that are there, the more likely you are to be offended. Glory to God. I love this idea of being unoffendable. And it's not that we let stuff slide, like I was talking about, but we come to this place where we're just ready to walk with Jesus on another level. We're just ready to walk with Jesus on another level. Be unoffendable. We're going to take communion here. And so as we take communion today, we've gone through this, we've gone through this forgiveness series. If you're watching online with us, make sure you've got that ready. We've gone through this forgiveness series, and we've talked about forgiveness. We've mentioned it. We've talked about it over and over and over again. 
But as we take communion today, I want you to think and I want you to reflect and I want you to ask God if there's anybody that you need to forgive. Before we go there, I want to I go back to the story of Corey Tenboom. How do we forgive like that? Listen, I read something else in some other book. It wasn't this one. And it said, God only gives you, it was talking about being a martyr. And it said, God only gives you dying grace on dying days. What does that mean? It means that until you need to become a martyr and give your life for Christ, you won't receive the grace to do it. Or you will only receive that grace in part. Does that make sense? God only gives dying grace on dying days. We all have to die. Six billion people on the planet, six billion people are going to die. There's only one way to get to heaven. Death is the doorway that leads to eternity. We all have to walk through it, short of Jesus coming back. And so God will give you grace to die when it's your time to die. And until then, don't worry about it. We struggle with concepts like Corey Ten Boom had to walk through about forgiving someone who tortured and killed her sister. And we can't come to a grip of reality of peace because we can't get there in our minds because we weren't called to be there because God hasn't given us the grace because it didn't happen to you. Too many times we take what happened to others and we read their stories and we take it personally and we're like, I don't know if I could do it. Or we create these scenarios in our head that are never going to happen to you and we're like, I can't trust God because I can't get over this that never happened. When it happens to you, God will give you grace. Amen? When it happens to you, God will give you grace for the moment. God will give you grace for every single thing that you need to go through in your life. But he's not going to give it to you ahead of time. He's going to give it to you when you need it. And this is why it's a daily walk. This is why it's a daily walk. This is why we daily seek him and we daily seek our bread. Because the grace, the mercies are new every morning. But if we don't go and get new mercy for the day, then we have to continue to walk with the old mercy and it's not sufficient. Because you got to walk through something new today that you didn't have to walk through yesterday. That was a really, really important point. I had to make sure I hit that. Jesus. As we take communion today, are there things that you need to forgive other people of? Are there things that you need to forgive yourself of? Are there things that you need to forgive your family of, your ancestors of? You know, we're offended at our lineage because we're Italian and, you know, they're angry and so I'm angry and I have this problem because of who I am and who they were. No. No, no more excuses. Jesus said, forgive, forgive, get over it, get on with your life. Walk with him in the fullness of things. Who is God calling you to forgive? Maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a son, maybe it's a daughter, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a wife. could be anybody. Distant relative, that one person who hurt you, you didn't even tell anybody, but the wound is still there. God wants you to forgive that person. Unforgiveness causes us to be prisoners. And we hold the key. 
the key to letting ourselves out of the jail cell is forgiveness. Today is Independence Day. Today is the day that we celebrate the freedom that we enjoy in America. Today, let's celebrate the freedom of our souls as we walk in forgiveness and we let ourselves out of our own prison. Today, let's celebrate the freedom of our souls as we let ourselves out of our own prisons. You're the one that lets yourself out. Nobody needs to apologize for nothing. You don't move in forgiveness because they apologized. You can. I mean, they, they should, but it's not required. You move in forgiveness just because you choose to. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to read through the scripture. And you guys are very familiar with this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29, I believe it is. As I read, I don't, want, I, don't, I don't care if you concentrate on what I'm reading. I mean, we've read it all before, so I'm okay with you guys. Think about who you need to forgive. I've already gone through the list, I think, a couple times. Who do you need to forgive? How do you need to walk in forgiveness? What steps do you need to take in order to come to a place that you're unoffendable? Maybe you need to identify triggers that offend you, or maybe you just need to learn to choose to not be offended. As I read this scripture, let's just meditate on what it is that keeps us from living unoffendable. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of Jesus. But let a man examine himself. God, help us to examine ourselves today. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick, and many of you sleep or have died prematurely. For if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged.
Father, we come to you today. And God, we remember our sins against others. God, we ask that you would forgive us our sins. And God, we're here. We want to identify areas where we have unforgiveness towards others. God, we thank you for pointing that out to us today. God, we pray that you would help us to forgive those who, whom we have not forgiven. Help us to walk in forgiveness every day. Help us to walk in forgiveness quickly. Help us to walk in forgiveness as you've called us to, as you have forgiven us. God, help us to forgive others. God, we don't want to live in our own prison cell any longer. We want to be free. And we know we hold the key, God. And you help us use it. God, help us to forgive, we pray. We take this bread, this body of yours, which was broken for us, and we take this bread together in remembrance of what you did for us on the cross. Jesus. Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross. We thank you that you have forgiven us of our sins, even as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us, God. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus on the cross to die in our place, to pay the debt that we owed that no one could pay, that we could not pay ourselves. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you for his example in being unoffendable. And God, we pray, give us the strength. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins, and we ask God, give us the strength to be unoffendable, to not pick up the offense when it comes. God, we look to you. We thank you. We give you glory and honor and praise. We take the wine together in Jesus' name. If you're here with us online, if you're here with us or if you're watching online and you've never asked Jesus to come and live inside your heart, you've never asked Jesus for forgiveness of sins, he did it for you. He died on the cross for you, that your sins would be forgiven, that you would live with him in heaven, that you would have a relationship with him now here on the earth. And that when you pass, you will live forever with him in heaven. This is available to everyone. This, this is available to everyone on the planet. All you need to do is accept what he did. Ask him to come and live inside your heart and live for him the rest of your days. If you've never made that decision and you want to make that decision today, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner I ask that you would forgive me of my sins, that you would come and live inside my heart, that you would forgive me for what I have done, even as I work to forgive those who have sinned against me, God. God, give me your grace and give me your strength 
to live for you all of the days of my life, to not sin any longer, but to trust in your ways. Amen. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to check on your Engage card. It says, Today I follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. If you prayed that for the first time, check that box. If you prayed that before and it's a time of rededication for you, right underneath that it says, Today I recommit to following Jesus after walking away. So maybe that's something you need to do. Online, you can check on the online Engage card. If you've already submitted it and you can't get back to it, send me an email at info at redeeminglovechurch.org and just say, hey, Pastor Matt, I prayed that prayer. I want to send you some information that explains the decision that you've made and what your next steps are. Walking with Jesus is glorious. It is the best decision that you've ever made. When you decide to walk with Jesus, your life is transformed. You will have all of the fruits of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, they're all at your disposal. And so all of these things are available to you once you've decided to follow Jesus. I want to pray uh, just once more, and we're going to have Elizabeth come up and receive the offering this morning. As we go, guys, this Independence Day, let's be free. Amen? Who keeps us captive? In many cases, we keep ourselves captive. This Independence Day, let's be free. Let's let go of the baggage. Let's leave it behind, and let's choose not to be offended. Amen? Amen. Amen. Elizabeth.